In my mom's family, there is a somewhat infamous event that we now refer to simply as the Holy Christmas. Um, the Holy Christmas occurred in a very unfortunate time of events when my mom was growing up. Um, it was probably a few days before Christmas one year, um, and my mom's family still did not have a Christmas tree yet. And my mom and her sister were very anxious about the situation. It's like, how can you have Christmas with a Christmas tree? Um, so they you know, persuaded their parents, like, we gotta go buy a Christmas tree. So after they got it's, you know, December 22nd. Um, this is when they're living in the UK, which, as far as I know, is not renowned for its massive pine forests. Um, so they go to like the parking lot or wherever where they're selling these Christmas trees, and like lo and behold, there is not a Christmas tree in sight. And my mom and her sister were livid because Christmas in their eyes was ruined. How can you have Christmas without a Christmas tree? That is like totally unthinkable. My grandmother, to her credit, um, presumably not wanting her daughters to be upset and also perhaps like had the desire to help a brewing rebellion in the family, went home and she found a very large branch of a dead tree um, and got it. And she then found a wreath of holly that someone else had thrown out. If you don't know, holly is that like plant with the waxy, like spiky, short leaves. Um, in Europe, it, like in the UK, it like grows in gardens. Here, not so much. It's something you see more at Christmas. That was a side word. Um, so she finds this wreath of holly that someone else has thrown out, and she takes the leaves from that, and she sews them by hand onto the dead tree. And I don't know how long it takes her, and like, that year, that was the Christmas tree. Um, my mom and her sister were not impressed. Um, as far as they're concerned, it was not a real Christmas tree, because as you may know, Christmas trees are traditionally pine trees. Um, regardless, that was the Christmas tree that they had. And I suspect that they had a good Christmas anyway, regardless of the fact that it was an imposter. <laughs> um, if you didn't know, today is the start of Advent. Um, Advent is the season of the year which lasts approximately four weeks and um, comes directly before Christmas. And because it comes directly before Christmas, it is therefore the time of waiting. Okay. Um, come December 25th, uh, it will be Christmas. And like many of you, I'm extremely excited. Extremely excited for this. Um, Christmas is, of course, a wonderful holiday. We get to spend time with our family and friends. We wrap presents. We find well, wrap presents. We eat good food, um, and we celebrate the birth of, you know, the Son of God, Jesus, Savior of mankind, takes away the world, like the standard stuff. Um, but before it gets to be Christmas, it has to be Advent. And so, right now, as this is the first Sunday of Advent, we are in that season of waiting. Advent represents the time in the church when we, sorry, Advent represents the time in which the world waited for the birth of Jesus. And just as we remember, we must remember Jesus' death before we can proclaim his resurrection, we also have to remember the time before Jesus was born, before we can celebrate his birth. Advent is also important because we are still waiting. Although Christmas celebrates the birth of Jesus, it's pretty important to remember that Jesus has already been here, born, and died. In his time on earth, Jesus envisioned a radical, a radical world in which the hungry are fed, the outcast is welcomed, and the imprisoned are set free. And despite this, I think that when we look around, we notice that that world is still not here yet. We see war and conflict in the Middle East. We see homelessness and hunger in our own streets in the city of Madison. And we see a world which has not yet been made right as Jesus in Advent, as we remember the waiting that precedes the birth of Jesus, we also remember that the world that Jesus promised us is one that we are still waiting for. 
The celebration of this waiting in Advent is important because the waiting gives us something to hope for. We hope for the world that Jesus promises to us because to not hope for that world is to accept that people must be hungry, that they must be poor, that they must be deprived and cast off and less than. In our scripture for today, the prophet Isaiah tells us that those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah tells us that if we wait on that promise, if we hope for the world of justice that Jesus promises to us, then we will have the strength to keep on going. Because even in dark times when war, we will have the strength to keep on going, even in dark times when war and conflict and sorrow. And so because of this, we hope for the world of justice that Jesus, that Jesus has promised to us, and we wait for his coming. Waiting, however, is complicated. If you know me, you know I love the phrase, it's complicated. Um, it's complicated because there are different ways in which we can wait. Sometimes when we wait for things, we wait idly. We put off buying a Christmas tree because it's just not the right time. We don't write that essay because we say we'll do it tomorrow. We pass up opportunities to spend time with our friends and family and to serve our communities because it's just kind of more convenient for us not to do those things. Sometimes when we wait, we wait because we hope that if we wait long enough, the problem that we are facing will solve itself by ourselves. And therefore, we can sort of go do whatever we want. And sometimes if we wait too long, the unfortunate truth is we find that there are no more Christmas trees. But the essay deadline has passed us by, and that the people we love will be calm. In his time here on earth, Jesus was also waiting. In the Gospels, we see Jesus waiting for his own death, and also waiting for the kingdom that will come after. Even though Jesus knew that he would die and that he would be resurrected, Jesus went into the world and he did good. He healed the sick, he loved the outcast, he resurrected the dead, and he invited his followers to do the same. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus tells his followers to go forth and cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God is coming into you. Just as Jesus served while waiting for his death and resurrection, so too does he invite us to serve as we wait for the kingdom of God. And so this advent, I encourage you to wait like Jesus did, to wait faithfully instead of waiting idly. Just as we wait for Christmas, hanging stockings in the fireplace and wrapping presents, I hope that we will also wait for that kingdom that God promises to us. As we wait for the world that Jesus promises to us, where justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, I pray that you will consider what it means to get ready for that kingdom. And if we look to the Gospels Jesus, and to what Jesus did while he was waiting for that world, I think we get a pretty good idea of what it's supposed to be doing. To love your neighbor, to serve the Lord, to be kind and gracious to those around us, and above all, to embrace love as the way of our lives. Now, I'm going to be so real with you all right now. <laughs> the message that I want you to take away from this is not that you have to be constantly doing good things to other people all the time, or anything even related to that, because that's just not true. The world that Jesus promises to us is not conditional. It is not something that we can lose, it is not an essay we can fail or fail to turn in. It is not even a Christmas tree that we might not buy or be able to find. The world of righteousness that Jesus promises to us is not something that we have to keep or earn or save. 
you go home after this and you flop down on the couch and you scroll through TikTok, that would be okay. Often, especially as students, we feel that we must do all of the things in order to be good, or to be good enough, or even just to be okay. And that simply isn't true. And I promise you that God will still love you no matter what. Even if on Christmas we have not done anything to prepare, we will still be invited to sit at God's table. But I invite you and encourage you to wait faithfully for God's kingdom. Because I think you will find that as you prepare for that kingdom, it is closer than we might think. As we prepare for this Christmas season, you may find that as you sing carols and hand lights for Christmas, that Christmas. As we prepare for Christmas this season, you may notice when hanging, when hanging lights or singing Christmas carols, that Christmas in all its hope and joy is already here. It is in the faces and the hearts of those around us, in the work that we do for each other, and in the communities that we build together during this season. It is my belief that as we prepare for the coming of Jesus' kingdom, for that world in which all will be made right, we will find that that world is already here. When we love each other and serve each other, and seek to show forth that love, we may find that the kingdom of God is already here among us, even as we wait for its coming. Quote the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter, 20, verse, chapter 17, verses 20 to 21. Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered, The kingdom of God does not come in with things that can be observed. Nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is. For in fact, the kingdom of God is in 